So I have a question. How are small business owners like us, who are spending 60 plus hours a week working in our businesses and are still struggling to make ends meet, who have no time to spend with family, friends, or the things we value most in life, who feel trapped inside of our businesses and it is consuming our lives? How do we get the freedom to be able to work on our businesses and not in them? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answer. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. What's up, everyone? Welcome to today's podcast. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. So, folks, I have got a fantastic guest today with me. Her name is Shannon Peel, and uh, she is uh, an author. She's got all kinds of good stuff today. I mean, uh, brand storytelling, personal branding. I mean, how to write a novel, all kinds of great stuff. She's going to uh, come in and help educate, at least me a little bit. Or I need, a, you, hey, you guys know I need all kinds of education. So anyhow, but Shannon, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here. This is a good day to be on the radio. It is. It really is. Um, so Shannon, so I gave you a little bit of an intro, but... Why don't you give my audience a little more information about you and about what you do? Sure. Um, my name is Shannon. Uh, actually, my name is Shannon Peel, and I have a company called Market Appeal. I help you define what you want to be known for and then get you known for it. And I do that in a multiple different ways. As uh, you've heard, I'm a writer, photographer, novelist, podcaster. Uh, and a interactive digital magazine publisher. So in all of those ways, I help you get known. That's really cool. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, the thing is, is that the the, the whole digital marketing thing about the, the ma- digital marketing is a really cool thing. But I'm sitting here just, you know, I've got you here on Riverside with me, and I, and you've got this really cool typewriter in the background. Yes, I do. Uh, that typewriter is actually got a really cool story attached to it because, you know, the first Christmas after my divorce, my kids were going off to my exes and my parents were worried about me being home alone. So they flew me down to Yuma, which is where they were being, you know, the Canadian snowbirds that they are. And my dad took me out antiquing. While we were antiquing, I saw these typewriters. I was just drooling over these antique typewriters. My dad took note. Uh, one Christmas, I get this typewriter, which my dad turned into a lamp, and then I created the lampshade using books from the library that we found in the house that my great-grandfather built that my parents now live in. So this typewriter is actually really, really special because my dad's never written, never read a word that I've written. He doesn't read. He's an old logging truck driver. His idea of reading is you know, maybe what's on the news on his little uh, tablet there. So the fact that he got me a typewriter is kind of telling me that he is supporting me. And that in itself is just makes my heart melt. Yeah. And that, that is such a cool story because the thing is, is that, and, and the cool stuff about it is that you, you were talking about story to brand storytelling and stuff. And the thing is, is that everybody has a story, and that's Ooh. the that, that's the cool thing about about every person. Because the thing is, is that especially if you're in business and you're trying to build your brand and stuff, 
it all goes back to storytelling. And the thing yeah. is, and people say, well, I don't know how to tell stories. I don't have, do you have you? Of course you do. You've got a story that, you know, our lives are full of stories. And something that I do is that I keep a story journal. And what I do is that I write down the headlines, the story only. I don't write the story. I write down the headlines of it. And then I give me just a little bit of a description or reference to it. And that's all. So then this way I can go back through my story journal and be like, Oh, well, what does, how can I apply this to a concept of mine? It's really interesting. I've got a, I've got a business coach. His name is uh, Dr. Robert Rome. Um, and he created a company called Personality Insights. He's out of Atlanta, Georgia. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's the DISC profile. If you've ever heard of, you know, the, the, the DISC personality profile systems. Oh, yes. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, sorry. I, I had to make the reference to personality. That, that was my kind of my thought on that. But, <laughs> uh, you know. It, you yeah. know what? Everyone makes up their, everyone, all these people are making up their own type of program, yes. which is just taking a program, tweaking it a bit, and then giving it a different name. And then once they start describing it, it's like, yeah, I know that, but I know it by a different name. <laughs> so. That's correct. So, uh, so what, so what Dr. Rome has done is that, is that he has taken it and he has, be, because, because people fall into main categories, but they all fall, also fall into a subcategory. And most people are a blend of different personnel, of, of the different sections of the personality wheel. And so, anyhow, and, and he, he's created a whole company behind this, but that's not the point. What I, and I'm not trying to give Dr. Rome a plug. What I'm trying to say is that the one thing that he has told me is that whenever you're talking to people, if you're trying to sell something, if you're trying to do anything in life with customers, tell a story, make a point, make yeah. a point. Tell a now, story. I'm going to give you two pieces of advice here when it comes to what you're talking about. Uh, one is create a database. So if you've got an Excel sheet and you write down at the end of the day, here's some story ideas, then use words that you can take them and say, okay, I'm looking for a story about this keyword. Mm-hmm. That way you can bring up those, the list and go, oh, okay, I'm going to write about this one. And it just makes it easier for you to go and access those memories because what you're doing with that headline is you're just giving your mind a trigger to remember that he- that event and then you bring up that event in your memory. And when you do that, then you're able to create a story around that key word that you're trying to talk about that day. The other thing is, a lot of times when we tell a story, we tell it wrong. And we tell it wrong because we don't have it structured properly. When you go and write a story, make sure that you write it out. And once you've written it out, then it becomes structured properly. And when somebody asks you a question, you're just able to bring it up. Like when you asked me about my typewriter, I have a certain structure as I tell that story because I've written it out. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I've got a story that I use to talk about um, with my clients, uh, with, with my coaching clients about fear. And stuff mm. and the story starts and but but the headline of the story is climb a cherry tree ah and, and so it creates it creates curiosity because you're like why should i climb a cherry tree and then you right. lean in because you want to know 
we lean into stories and we lean away from lectures and we fall asleep. So you want to make sure that you're telling a story. Yeah. And the cool cool thing about this one story is that uh, it's a story about about when I was a kid with my sister Mm -hmm. and that I was an avid tree climber. And I and, and I go through the story about where I helped my sister climb a tree, all this other stuff, and then then right in the middle of the story, I talk about fear, but it's not the main focus of it. Okay, uh. it, but I mention it multiple times, and and then then I move on because because this, this is an actual true story that happened to me in life, and mm-hmm. the end of the story talks about my grandmother spanking me for the first time, the first and only time she ever spanked me. And what the impact that had in my life too. And then I come back and then I ask my audience or whoever I'm talking to, so what was the one thing that you got out of that story? And most people talk about, most people go back to the very last thing I said, right? And I said, well, I said, you know, the one thing that stands out in the story about me is that my sister was fearful of jumping down out of this tree was just three feet off the ground. And and how fear can overcome us and overwhelm us and, and, and paralyze us in moments. And yeah, she was just seven. I understand she was scared of jumping down three feet. It looked very big to her at that time, but she wasn't going to die. Yeah. She jumped down and things and just how, how the fear paralyzed her in this moment. And then I asked people, so what kind, so, so, so tell me about a time in your life when fear has paralyzed you. Mm-hmm. And this ends up being a very strong, powerful story because I'm trying, because I tell this story to get people comfortable enough and engaged enough mm-hmm. for them to talk about themselves. And, 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 and also, too, it makes them feel safe and sound. Yes. yes, because when we share a story, when we share a vulnerability story, they feel that they can share a vulnerability story. Because they've connected with something that you've talked about. You have given them a detail that they identify with. And you've built trust. Now they trust you enough to tell you something. I write about fear a lot because I had to lose everything that I was scared to lose. And I lost it all within. And after that happened, I was broken. And I was in the mud pit of life. I was deep down in, like, on the edge of making a very bad choice. So I talk a lot about fear, about what it is and why it does things. Okay, one story I did for social media. I just described. Um, I woke up. Fear had me. Had the was oh, sorry. I woke up gripped in fear. My stomach was in knots, and all of these things were going through my mind. Everything that I had to do, everything that I didn't do, and what that would mean if I didn't get it done. Then I stretched, and my stomach rumbled. And all of a sudden, I was fine. So it wasn't fear I was feeling. It was hunger. My brain interpreted it as fear. So are you really fear- afraid or are you something? And you have to really look into that. Yeah, it's, you know, the thing is, is that I, I love stories and storytelling so much. So um, it, it, it's interesting because 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 you've just come into my life, Shannon, and and, and I'm loving this because God is leading me down this whole storytelling path and bringing more and more stories to my life and bringing me more aware of stories and how impactful they are. Um, it's, it's really interesting because 
what a month ago I was at a uh, I was at a, uh, a seminar and the the main speaker do you know what he did he was a professional storyteller mm. here in here in the United States because you're from Vancouver right I'm from Vancouver Canada very yeah. different place and um here in the United States all over the US they have these little storytelling guilds yeah. that that and then they put on events around these where people can come and people are professional storytellers and mm-hmm. they just stand up and speak for five, 10, 15, 20 minutes and just tell a story. And, and that guy they, has a lot of stories because I know who you're talking about. He's written a book. He yeah. is amazing. Yes. And, and, and so, and so, so the thing is, is that storytelling is becoming more and more a, a thing. And, and I have here recently been encouraging some of my coaching clients that if you really want to get over some, if you really want to get over public speaking, some fear of public speaking and stuff, I said, first develop a story and just first tell the story in front of your family. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then go tell the story in front of your friends. All right. And then go tell the story in front of your friends and family together or or, 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 or just go, go, go to a park and stand up and just start talking and telling a story. There's, here's the thing about it is, is that you got to get, once you get so comfortable telling stories, public speaking is, is nothing anymore. You know, I mean, if you watch any TED talk, it's all about a story. Mm-hmm. There's, even if there's, even if there's, um, statistics and all kinds of technical stuff in it. All the good TED Talks, they always have good storytellers. That's right, because we lean into story and we fall asleep in life. And the problem that a lot of storytellers have, or not storytellers, but a lot of people have when they think they're telling a story, is they're actually telling a lecture disguised as a story. So storytelling has specific uh, structure, specific tools enable that enable you to show what you do is very different uh showing a story is very different and i was while you were talking about your clients and you know writing a story and getting up and talking i mean i've been a public speaker most of my life started to fight in my teens so i understand that you know some people are scared of public speaking but once you've done it it's nothing, right? So I, hey, I could walk into a, an event and if they said, hey, Shannon, our speaker just canceled. Can you get up and give a speech to 5,000 people? Not a problem. I would not have a problem doing that at all. Ask me to walk into a room of 20 people I don't know and figure out who to talk to. I have an anxiety attack. So huh. there's different things that people can be scared of. And, you know, professional networkers, people that walk into rooms and network. And salespeople, they would think that that's just insane to be scared of. But what it comes down to is understanding what that real fear is. When I walk into a room, I'm not scared of people in the room. I'm scared of being rejected. I'm scared of them not wanting to talk to me. Yep. When people are public speaking, it's not that they're scared of public speaking. They're scared of something else. Usually it's rejection. It's being judged. It's failing, but you have to really figure out what that fear is. 
and with the story itself, because story can be extremely healing. I have a program where I, you know, after I got divorced and I lost everything, and I actually I hadn't quite lost everything yet. There was a couple of things that I still had to lose hit the bottom. But while I was in the midst of it, I wrote a book and it's a novel and it's about five women who tell the story and it's looking at what is life in the 21st century. What does it mean to be a woman in today's in today's world? And each chapter is meant to get you thinking. So I've created a program out of it. That's why I've taken it off the market because I've created this program where we take a look at the chapter. We then try to see, okay, what you relate to in this chapter as the stories enable you trigger those things for you because you're looking at what the character's doing and you're like, oh, I can relate to that. Or maybe you don't relate to any of it. Then we, there's another thing that we can talk about. Um, and it's a lot of fun because I get to listen to what people think I was writing about. And it's not always what I was writing about. So that's always But you can write your story in the process of writing a story, a fictional story. I'm not saying write your biography, but but in the process of writing a fictional story and putting your characters into events that you yourself have gone through, you can start seeing it from different angles because you're bringing in the point of view of other people. Yeah, and that, most definitely. And then in that, you're able to heal because you're able to see what the reality was. And you're using your rational brain to write. And your emotions aren't getting in the way of your interpretation of what you Oh, you know, I really, yeah. work. I love that part of what I do, but that's kind of an aside thing that I do because brand storytelling is very different than regular. Unfortunately, a lot of brands have been taking this advice. Oh, just tell a story. So they create these stories and people get involved there. They engage there like this, but they have no idea what product was talking. They don't understand. The brand is so disconnected from the story that there is no connection. So it's really important for brand storytellers to understand how to tell a brand story and which brand story to tell. Because sometimes you're telling a brand story and the brand is the hero. You know, the brand is talking about being vulnerable. And there's a way to tell a vulnerability story as well. I've written about it on my website where you you can either tell a vulnerability story and get empathy, or you can tell a vulnerability story and get sympathy. And one of those reactions usually results in being ridiculed and judged. So um, there is a way of doing that. But back to knowing, like, you have to know who the hero of the story is. You have to cast yourself in the right place. Sometimes you're telling your story. Sometimes you're telling your company's story. And sometimes you're telling your customer's story to them or your ideal audience's story to them. Now, that's really difficult because you're trying to figure out what experiences would my the mo- majority of my audience have gone through that are the same that I can then instigate myself into so that they think of my product if they go through that inch, that again. So that is, you know, that's what I do. That's, I talk to people, I get through that, <coughs> I guide them, I help them, I write. There's a lot of things that I do. So that is telling the right story, the right audience is the key. You know, as you've been sitting there talking, Shannon, and 
I've just been listening to this and just soaking in all the good wisdom that you have. It takes me back to, um, to, and you talked about, um, the ideal customer. Okay. Or, or basically who your customer avatar is. Um, and it can be a, and it can be a man. It could be a woman. It could be a, um, it can, you can have multiple, um, customer avatars depending on if you have different products that actually go towards something different than the other one does. And uh, it brings me to, to a story from uh, Terry uh, Belcher. And he went into, and I, I don't know if you know who uh, who Sally Beauty Supplies is. And so oh, he no. goes, and he, he, okay, so Sally Beauty Supplies is Belcher, a great, don't know the other one. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so Sally Beauty Supplies is a is a retail locate uh, is, is is a corporate retail um is a is a retailer that sells um beauty supplies to um so it's so it's like like cosmetology folks people that do hairdressing okay. and stuff like this right here but but they have retail location okay and oh. and and lots of people go so so they they also sell to like um nail salons and all kinds of other stuff, but they have retail locations. So anybody can go in and you can get professional products that the, that professionals use in this location. <clears throat> so Terry was there and he was talking to um, all the executives and he was pitching products and he pitches this one product and, um, and they look at him and they say, Nope, no, no, no. Alexa wouldn't like that. That is not a good product for Alex. He goes, okay. So then he starts pitching another product. And they're just like, nope. Nope, nope, nope. She won't like that either. And so then he goes and he pitches the last product. And they said, no, she definitely wouldn't like this product at all. And he, he, he's just like, okay, I'm sick to death. Who is this person? Why isn't she here? And I want to talk to her because apparently she is the decision makers and you guys don't know what you're doing. And they start, they all start laughing at him. He's just like, I don't understand. What's the joke? And so they grab him and they take him down the hall and they walk into this room. And in this one room, this whole entire room is dedicated to the customer avatar. And it has a picture of her. It has all this other stuff. The, the, it has the demographics. It has, you know, what she likes, what she doesn't like and all this sort of stuff. And if it doesn't fall into this one customer avatar, which is their ideal client, they don't buy product. And he finally understood what I was pitching was the wrong products for the customer avatar. And so there was a whole story behind that. And this story is really powerful about you gotta you, you gotta create this customer avatar and 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 you're creating a story around who your ideal customer is. For me in UPS stores, um my my UPS stores, I my ideal client and and I and, I, and my ideal uh, customer avatar is too. I have a man and a woman and they are small business owners. And the thing is is that and 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 I have and I have different problems for each one. That's the key. That's the key to come. Like a lot of people do a customer avatar and they say, woman, it's a man. They're this age. They own this much house. They earn this much money. They, you know, it's all the demographics. 
But you hit the nail on the head there because it's not just that. You don't stop there. The next step is to figure out what problems do they have? What are they experiencing when they have those problems? What are the symptoms of those problems that they may see, but they don't know that they have this problem, but they know that they have the symptom? And understanding all of that and and the events in their lives, that is a good, good customer opportunity. Yes. And it's all about story. It's all about story branding and everything else. And, and the thing is, is that I think people don't put enough emphasis on story and the stories in their life and the stories in their business. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, I mean, I have a story about a really upset client and she was so mad at me and I just kept pouring niceness into the, into the situation. I kept apologizing. I'm so sorry, but I can't. Um, but, but this is, I mean, you know, I, I'm so sorry for the situation. Not necessarily sorry for anything we did wrong because we didn't do anything wrong. I'm so sorry for the situation. I just kept saying this over and over. She finally just got mad and just said, so are you going to give me my money back or not? I'm just like, I'm so sorry for the situation, but this doesn't fall into a refund. Da, da, da. And she, she finally just got mad and, and just hung up the phone on me. And here's the funny part about that story is that she went on to Facebook and she went and liked every bad comment or every nasty comment we had, but she couldn't write a bad comment because there, because only thing I didn't do was give her what she wanted, which she didn't, which she didn't qualify. Right. Right. I used to work in online reputation management, which is basically I worked for an online review site and it was my job to advise my clients. I had 300 clients in well, the company's clients, 300 clients. And it was my job to advise them on how to get reviews, how to deal with those bad reviews and how to deal with customers. And one thing that I did find is that a bad cust- a bad review is a good thing. A bad review will tell customers where your limits are, where your guidelines are. And if they're expecting this thing, which your customer expected, and that's why and you couldn't meet it because that's not what you do. Then you got a bad review because you didn't meet their expectation. It helps narrow your audience to the audience that is right for you. It allows audience people to also see whether or not you stand by your work. So if you know you get a bad review and you respond to it with your side of the story. I mean, think about this. Back before the internet, back when we were like a lot less gray, somebody, if you're a business <laughs> owner and you had a customer who wasn't happy, what did they do? There's a whole saying around that. If your customer's happy with you, they'll tell one person. If your customer's not happy with you, they'll tell 10. That's well, right. and now it's like they'll tell the world, right? But here's the thing. You get to be able now. Before you weren't at the table. You weren't able to, to respond to what they were telling those other 10 people. and. Here's the other thing. You can bring your happy clients to offset that one unhappy client. So not only are you showing up the, ta- <clears throat> up the table, you're bringing your posse with you to say, hey, look, that might have happened, but we're, we think he's, this person walks on water because they helped. This is not what they do. A lot of times when we read online reviews, we read the bad ones because we're looking to find out whether or not you're going to meet our expectation. And a lot of times when we read those bad online reviews, we think, 
well, yeah, why would you expect a thread count of, you know, 1000 when you're paying $30 a night at a dive hotel? You know, we, we understand that these people's expectations were out of whack for where they were going, doing. But if you respond with your side of the story, with what you did, with what, how you tried to help them, what the policy was, and how that didn't fit into the refund policy, that lets people know what they can expect. And that in itself will result in less bad reviews and more good reviews because it'll attract people who fit within the neurodynamics of what you need from your customers and what they need from you. <clears throat> yeah, and, and that, is, that is fantastic information. Um, we, we actually do um, something... Very similar, but just a, a little twist on it is that we turn around and we just ask that customer, hey, why don't you come back in and let us see if we can um, mm-hmm. fix whatever's happened. We're sorry about, you know, we're sorry about the situation. We never say we're sorry about, about, we don't say we're just sorry about them. We always talk about, we're sorry about the situation happening. Right. Because right. the thing about it is, is, you're going. Sorry, you're not, you're not taking blame. You're not accepting blame because you, you I mean, especially down in the States, you guys are, you, I'm sorry, down on the, like as a Canadian sitting here with the, with the box of popcorn and the beer watching you, watching what's going on south of the border, you guys are liable to happy. You guys have yes. always got to be careful about what you say and what you do. If you're not, you end up in, in court trying to, you know, which costs you a lot of money to be there. Even if you're not paying a lawyer, it still costs you money to be there. But anyway, that is an aside. Uh, you got to be really careful what you say. So you're not taking blame for it. You're not saying that, that I was wrong. You're just kind of saying, we're sorry about the situation. We want to help you. Please come into the store so that we can discuss it. That That's is correct. standing behind your brand. That is standing behind your service. Now, if they that lady had come through and said, okay, I've already talked to you. We've already decided that we're not going to get, you're not going to give me the refund. And they, she wrote a bad review. Then you would go in and say, hey, this is what the policy is. I'm sorry that you didn't fit within that policy. Um, it's unfortunate, but we, this, the, this is it. Like, we, you know, um, there's a better way of saying that. It's just, I can't think what it off the top of my head, which is why you always write the stories down before you get out and talk to them about them. That's right. Because once you get out and talk about them, you know, you can't, if you got to sit there and pull from your memory to structure the story, you end up doing what I just did, kind of going, oh, well, I'm just kind of flubbing through this. And that doesn't work so well. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that also on top of after you write that story, um, read that story aloud multiple and multiple, multiple times. Because the thing is, is that and then if you want to, and then if something comes to your memory during this whole thing, you can just place that extra little added detail in. So give the example of, of the of the fear story about climbing the cherry tree, of my sister climbed the cherry tree and stuff. You know, if something comes in and I was just like, you know, oh, I remember that the tree was blooming this time of year. Okay, that there's an extra added piece that I can throw in on the fly, and now it can become part of that story, and then it, then you can refine it. Because the thing is, is that the more little details you add in, the more the more vivid the image becomes in mm-hmm. the listener's mind. Exactly. Now, 
this is where the difference become in when you're telling just a story and when you're telling like a personal story and when you're telling a brand story. Call them in, call these details indices. So if I'm just telling you a story about my dad buying me this uh, beautiful typewriter, I'm going to use a lot of details in order to get you there. I could, I could add so many details that you would be standing beside me in that antique store in Yuma because it's already happened. It's not changing. And I'm not asking to solve your problem or put, or get you to buy anything. And that's really important to have all those indices. In when you're telling a brand story, you, if it's something like what I was just saying, it's a personal story. Like let's say the brand, like what you're talking about with your customer that couldn't get the refund. That's specific. That's yes. happened. That's, your story. So you're going to use all of those details. But in brand storytelling, when you're trying to let customers know what it is that you do and what problems that you solve so that they come to you, you've got to know which details to put in and which details to leave out because every detail you put in limits your audience. And so you have to understand how narrow do you want your audience to be. Um, okay, I'm going to give you an example. Are you ready? I want you to close your eyes. Yeah, that last closed. Hey, close your eyes. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a couple examples. Okay. Okay. It's hot out. It's so hot out. You can feel this drop of sweat running down your face and dropping. You open your eyes and you look around and you can see the heat waves coming off the ground around you. Your mouth is just Right. You know, you move your tongue around right, and get that sticky feeling. You have to make yourself swallow. Just so hot and thirsty. Oh my goodness, you've never been this thirsty in your life. And all you want is a drink. Well, guess what? You have one. Reach out and grab it. Now, that's the story. And I want you to think about what did you reach for? What, what, did you, what was in your hand when you reached for? What I got right here. Because, because listening to the story made me want to drink water. So that's you what I reached out water. to grab okay, right great. now. Which is great because uh, like you've got a bottle of water there, which has a brand attached to it. But, you know, if it's just a glass of water, that's great because your municipality has done a great job of making tap water your, your drink of choice when you're thirsty. A brand doesn't have to be a company. It can be anything that you associate a situation with or a a story around. Now, the other thing is, during telling that story, I didn't know where you would be. I didn't know anything about, you know, your environment or where the drink would be in relation to where you were. I had to just guide you through the story and allow you to visualize it but where were you when you were thinking about how hot and thirsty you were? So it took me back to years ago when I was with my father and my sister, and we were going to Death Valley in California. <clears throat> and I remember us getting out, and I remember just the dry, scalding heat. And I remember looking down the road and seeing the heat waves coming up and down off the road. and um, and then I remember just like, you know, we, we were out there taking pictures and I was just like, 
Dad, it's so hot. Can we get back in the car? We had water in the car, and I remember getting back in the car and reaching for that bottle of water and opening up that bottle of water and drinking water. Um, yeah. And it was just, I mean, you know, so, so the thing is, is that, so that took me to Death Valley and I was a kid then. So, so, so this is not a story. And I've been to Death Valley a couple other times now in my life, but being so thirsty, my mouth so dry, we were only out there for five minutes, but mm-hmm. that's, but that's where it took me. It took me to my place in my life because what happened is, is that you gave the, you gave the framework of the story. This is the, 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 these are the things that's happening, right? But you didn't give me the details of the story. Exactly. Because I have this great big audience and it, you know, I don't know, I'm selling a beverage. And in the story, instead of having you reach out and grab the beverage, in this case, I wanted to know, I wanted you to see that you have a brand of choice. Now, if I want to establish my company as that brand of choice, I'm going to say you have a drink and it is a, oh, a root beer and, or it's an A&W root beer. And I'm going to describe that A&W root beer can to you or bottle to you. I'm going to make it as real to you as I possibly can by getting down to each minute detail so that that brand now establishes itself as your drink of choice the next time that you're thirsty. Um, Let's say I am a, okay, let's say my, you know, I have a client and they decide that their customer, their ideal customer that they want to talk to is a single woman who's a single mom, actually, is a single mom, uh, probably in her thirties, owns a, has a yard and lives in the area. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to go, okay, so what does that look like? If, if I am that person, what would it? look like. Now, if they had a problem that I was solving, what would that look like? So I might tell a story like, uh, it's hot. And you're running around the house. You have so much to do. There's always so much to do. There's always a chore. You hear the kids in the backyard playing with the water. And they're screaming at you because they want ice cream. You run to the your fridge and you grab some ice cream and you give that to them and out they go again and you just want to sit down on your deck and have a cold drink and then you know i may then want to try and sell them on time um maybe lawn care or whatever it is so i would want to structure the story with the, the company in mind so that they would go oh yeah, that's what I want. I just want to sit there and watch some really good-looking guy mow my lawn, right? <laughs> yeah. If I can make it, if I can write, tell a story so that it, it it triggers this idea that yeah, you know, I. So first, I'm telling the problem that they have. This is what they experience every single day or in the summer. Now, what's the solution? That they're sitting there on their deck watching a good-looking guy mow their lawn. Yeah. Then I give them the number to call. But it's telling them their story. And that's hard to do because you're trying to figure out what problem does my customer avatar have? What does that look like? What does that feel like? What details do I add? What details do I not add? And how can I guide them through that? 
Yeah. <clears throat> so so you so you sitting here telling the story really makes me go really makes me think about um uh a portion of my company. So we also have um a company that that, that puts up Christmas lights. We do that for uh six months out of the year. But the other six months, our off season, we do outdoor lighting, landscape lighting. <clears throat> and so it could I could easily tell a story about about here you are pulling up to your home. It's dark at night. And you're having a hard time seeing where you need to go and having a hard time finding the finding the, the sidewalk to get to your door. It's dark outside. You can't see anything. And then talking about all of a sudden your landscape lighting comes on. And you're able to see and feel safe, and I, I mean, I'd have to develop that story. But the thing well, is, you, is that you'd have to develop the story because you could have that. That you know, you hear a, a stick break. Yeah, stick breaking. Is someone there? You're looking for your keys, and and you can't find them at the bottom of your purse. Right. I mean, you got to think of these problems that women have, like, like especially. I mean, you're a man, and I'm a woman, but. You got a wife and she can tell you, hey, look, when I'm looking for my keys, they're usually at the bottom of my purse. Um, but you really get that person thinking that this is why I need lighting. So that I don't end up scared in front of my door wondering if someone's coming to, to behind up behind me. Because I'm not in the safety of my house yet. So that so basically what we've what we've identified is the problem that you solve is lighting. But why do you solve it? Because people need to see where they're going. Why do they need to see where they're going? Because if they don't see, it takes them too long to get their keys. Why does that matter? Because someone could be coming out behind them to to get their keys and break into their house. Right. Right. So you've really, so by taking that, you've really gone down into the real reason that you provide landscape lighting. That's correct. Yeah. And so um, this has just been such a great podcast. Thank you so much for being on today. Shana, this You're is the, I'm, 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 I'm just having so much fun with this, but our time is slowly running out here. So, um, so, so I've got one more question. So, if people want to get to know you, hey, get to know more about what you do, and, and just connect with you, how can they do that, Shannon? They can go. Well, they can do one of two things. One, they can Google me, Shannon Peel, and my last name is spelled P-E-E-L, noun and a verb. Can't miss it. And if you fa- like what you see. That's what I do. The other thing you can do is you can go to Market Appeal. Spelt wrong, spelt with my last name. So that's marketappeel.com. And there's tons of information there, lots of blog posts, uh, video, podcast, digital magazines with tons of information about how to tell your story to the marketplace, as well as lots of other things that have to do with people who are in business or people who just want to have a better life. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, and uh, folks, what I'll also do is that I'll put um I'll put these links in the notes of our of my podcast. And also too in the notes of the podcast will be my new YouTube channel is out there and what I'm going to be doing is showing clips of uh small clippets of our podcast on video. So uh you'll be able to see uh, Shannon's lovely face and uh well, my mug if you've already know me already and uh anyhow but I invite everybody to go check out the notes in the podcast. Shannon, once again, thank you so much for being on today. It's been my pleasure. 
you know, it's been wonderful. I just love talking about this kind of stuff and I could go on all day. So thank you so much for having me on today. And I hope you and your listeners learn something new. Yeah, I, I definitely have learned something new. And if, if I've learned something new, I would more than bet that they have too. So, Great. all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And we will see you on the next one. Thank you so much for joining me today and listening to this episode. Hopefully, what I shared with you will help you in your business journey as we share to help others expand their minds, businesses, and profits. If this episode did help you, be sure to share it with someone else that you know that it will help. We can only achieve our mission if we share it with others and always give first. I hope I can also help you even further by sharing my resources. It is a page that contains all the digital assets we use to expand our business and to help us free up time. The great thing about this page is completely free. Just go to resources.expansioncode.com to get your free access. Thank you again for tuning in. Have a fantastic day, my friends.